is God's will this dot that we've got to guess? And depending on how close we get to the dot will depend on how successful we are and how minimal the casualties will be. So believers, maybe not you, maybe not in here, but believers have wrestled with this. And so what some people do is they begin to, you know, look and ask God and beg God for maybe an impression, something on their heart, something that will move them, some sign, something that will help them to achieve landing bullseye on that dot called the will of God. The only problem is the Bible really only talks about the will of God in a couple of ways. Yes. See, this wasn't the will of God for me. No. The Bible really only talks about the will of God in two ways. A sovereign, hidden, you can't guess it, so don't try, will. This triumphant, I do what I want and nobody can contest it, will. And nobody is supposed to go snooping around trying to figure it out. And then there's the revealed will of God. What we know as the Bible, the place where God has said, you don't have to guess my will. You don't have to call a psychic up. Just turn to and you'll know my will. But, Lord, that's that's chill for those big decisions. But what about these these little decisions in my life? (laughs) Today, we're going to look at that. See, the problem for us and we want to, you know, here at Epiphany, we are hoping that a generation of people will catch God's mindset on every issue that you'll grow up, that you'll you'll rig your life to be like you'll be one of the people who say, yo, I understand the God who saved me. I, I don't I don't completely understand him, but I'm growing in my understanding, grace and the knowledge of him. And so one of the things we want to do is take you back. Think back all the way to Genesis, Genesis chapter two, uh, verse 15 to 19. It just says uh, this. It says the Lord took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. So out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. Now, right now, this is before what we call the fall. This is before we were prone to choose wrong most of the time. Before then, God instituted this thing called decision-making. God puts him and says, I'm going to give you a garden, every tree you can have. But, Lord, I just wish you'd tell me which tree you want me to eat from most. God says, from every tree you may eat. And didn't tell him any more. says, but I tell you what, I'll tell you what not to eat. And then go for yours. All of a sudden, he puts a tree off limits, then says, but the rest of these go for yours. Did it again. He said, and I tell you what, I'm going to bring you all the animals. Okay, well, tell me what I should call this one. Go for yours. See what the man, God, look, God is omniscient. God, but the text is written in such a way that you appreciate the fact that God built into us the ability and the responsibility to make a decision that he doesn't sit and tell you specifically. He says, here you go. Let me see what you do. Ah, the problem is Genesis 3 happened. 
And ever since then, men and women have been looking and saying, God, I got this one. Wait, wait, but I want to tell you, I, I, I got this one. <laughs> wait, wait, but, but I'm going to show I, I got this one. So we're in our series in the book of Proverbs, and the book of Proverbs says there is a seductive call down two opposing streets, and that is you always are faced with decisions in this life. And both of them have a wooing draw. There's the lady, the imagery of the lady who's like, you, batting the eyelashes, perfume, looks like a, a whiff of smoke, you know what I'm saying, with the finger. Uh, if you're, that doesn't turn you on, ladies, but it's some dude chilling, muscle bound, abs, like you. <laughs> And so this issue of decision, you can go all the way back to before the fall. Then after the fall, we have these decisions, but we're always choosing wrong. So then God has to give the Holy Spirit to come and restitch, or in our case, he couldn't restitch us back together. So he has to rebirth people with a new capacity to choose according to his pleasure. So now we got this thing, the first thing that God does, especially if you're not saved in here, if you're not saved in here, the first thing God's going to do is he's going to challenge your decision about the one that he sent called Jesus Christ. So the Spirit of God says when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes, John 16, 8, he says he will come and he will tell the world you chose wrong in regard to a couple things. You chose wrong in regard to sin. They don't believe in me. Jesus says, see, they're wrong about their perspective of Jesus Christ. So Isaiah 53 says, when we saw him, there was two answers on the test. Is Jesus majestic or is he one with no majesty? Isaiah 53 says, we saw him as one who didn't have much majesty. You got two answers. Okay, wrong. But the next question is he should be should he be esteemed or should he be despised? This Jesus of Nazareth. I got I got it. I got it. Despised. Look at him. The Pharisees don't like him. The religious leaders don't like him. Wrong again. Okay, here's the next one. Should we seek him or should we duck from him? Is he one we should hide our faces from or is he one we should go to and say, you have the words of life? Ooh, ooh, choose me, choose me. We should hide our faces from him. Look at it. It's swollen. It's beaten. You don't want the same thing to happen to you, do you? Wrong again. Uh, is he like this because he's done something wrong? Has God smit, sm- is, is he smitten of God? Has God beat him down because he's done something wrong? Or is this a substitution for people who've done something wrong? He's one smitten of God. Wrong again. The spirit of God and our propensity to choose wrong. So God has to send the spirit to tell us you're wrong. You're wrong about righteousness. Is he dead And will he stay dead? And should you move on with your life and look for somebody else? I guess so. The road to Emmaus, they said they were moping around. We were hoping he was the one. Jesus says, man, how foolish and slow of heart you are to not believe. Didn't the scripture says, say, wrong again. He resurrects. Wrong about Satan. I got to give it to Satan. He does got some fly whips. I got to give it to him. 
He can give you stuff that God could give you, but he gives it to you a lot sooner. Jesus says they're wrong about Satan again because the ruler of this world has been judged. We're, we're, We're prone to choose incorrectly until the spirit of God comes in. So from the gate, we follow bad counsel. We draw bad conclusions. We walk crooked paths and we follow vain ideas. Paul in Romans 7 said the same thing. He said, dang, it's like even when I want to choose what's right, it seems like I don't. We know the law is spiritual. The problem isn't the, the choice. The problem isn't that the question isn't clear. The problem isn't that the exam is too difficult. It's right there, black and white. But I do not, verse 15 of 7, he says, I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Dag. I need the spirit. Romans chapter eight. So today we want to talk about how to choose in the will of God, decision making in the will of God. I want you all to just follow me. We're going to flip through several passages. Don't sometimes you just need to write them down. You don't need to try to flip unless you just can get there quick. You can't get any more foundational than this issue. And we're going to start in chapter 16 uh, of Proverbs, verse 1. And I'm, going to read, I'm only going to read the first part of the first verse. And I want to begin like this. The plans of the heart belong to man. Stop. The plans of the heart belong to man. If you're going to make good choices, if you're going to make choices that align with the will of God, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to choose Theologically. Now, look, I'm not just being trying to be sound weighty. You got to choose theologically. In other words, you have to have God in mind. The whole book of Proverbs, it starts with an understanding that only the fool tries to live life without God in mind. Either because they say there is no God or because in their lifestyle they choose like there is no God. And so uh, the, 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 the wisdom literature or the writer of Proverbs, they start just understanding, yo, dudes go wrong when they are no longer theological. Females make wrong decisions when they don't first start off theologically. They have God in mind. So he says, yo, God made a world. And he's got a way to do things when you don't even believe in him or his way. That means you're not theological to be theological doesn't mean to know a lot of Bible to be theological just means to have studied God enough to understand him and therefore to know, oh, I should do this because that's just how he is. And so you start off being theological. Uh, Proverbs 2, 6 to 8. Don't turn there. I'm just going to read it. It says here, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. So the ability to, 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 to choose like God would choose and choose in a way that pleases him starts with you just understanding he's the one that gives you the way to choose he's theological i do this because i understand first of all that god is like that when we're looking for the dot if people are looking for the dot of god's will they say don't look for the dot first start off with the, the the big circle every tree i choose first based on like just don't choose that one 
That's being theological. God said, don't choose that one. Theological says, wait, I don't know which one I should choose. I know which one I shouldn't choose. Now that I take that out the picture, like there's a whole bunch I could do. Now, you may say, but since I'm tired right now, I'm going to choose the one that's right here because I ain't got to go nowhere. But you could say, but this doesn't have the such and such on it. So I'm going to go to the one way across the woods where the such and such is. But you, either way, you the, theologically, you start off the same way. God gives wisdom. All of this starts off with him. So that's how it is. Proverbs 8. You don't have to turn there once, unless you want to. Uh, verse 32. Uh, Lady wisdom says this. Now, sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me. That is the student of theology. Because and, and wisdom, Lady Wisdom, we're going to find out, is really just the wisdom of God or God himself inviting you. Like, be a theologian. Like, know me. Like, listen to me. Hear what I say and then do accordingly. He says, blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates. This isn't a real lady talking. This is God's, the theological information, the God understood way about God. He says, listen, sit at my gates, wait beside my doors, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, or who hate me love death. His whole point is because that's what we do. We want to find that perfect will of God because we want to avoid failing and injuring. We want to avoid death. We want to find favor. So we go looking for the dot. God says, wait, stop looking for the dot. There's no dot. There is this big circle called theology. And what you do as a human is you sit at the feet of God. You increase in your understanding of him as the one who has has given you all that you need. And you say, I start. But let me just start over what I know about God. I just know that God married man and woman. Let's just say. So, you know, you shouldn't be marrying the same sex. You say, well, I know that God gives life. So, you know, you shouldn't be taking life. I just, you start with this broad and you don't have to go to school to, to know that the Lord Jesus, Mr. Wisdom, who is basically Psalm 8 in the New Testament maxed out. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. So he's just like Lady Wisdom. Ladies would like, come, come. And if you don't, it's bad for you. Well, Jesus, the Lord Jesus says the same thing. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears me and does them, this is what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep, laid a foundation on, the lot, on a rock when a flood arose. Once again, that's that danger that when you don't choose God's way, when you don't decide in a way that God backs, then you run the risk of injury. When a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built the house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and, and the ruin of that house was great. So the first thing he says is, Proverbs is like, yo, I want to raise a generation of people who make right decisions. And in their desire to make a decision that's according to my, my, my pleasure, my good pleasure, that pleases me, and that runs the risk of, I mean, that, that, that avoids the risk of injuring yourself. He says, first, you must decide theologically. With God in mind. 
we talked about inner, like these impressions that some people say, I know that the Bible says, but I, I need more. And so we, uh, but, but the Lord, he, he really dropped this on me. Or, yo, man, I just felt led. And we're going to get to that because it's, it's not that God doesn't use, well, I just sort of sense or I just feel that, and I just believe that God was, it's just that those are not authoritative enough for you to state your claim on them like you can the sovereign will of God when, and the revealed will of God. So that's the only thing. The only thing is not that God doesn't do it. It's just you can't submit that as on equal par. So put this in the Bible. Look, 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 I, I, well, add this. I, I'm just telling you, God told me. And so if God really told you, like, it would be on the same level as what was in the pages. We're going to get to that. But some of y'all are quiet. Y'all, are, y'all may come from other traditions. But the problem is like this. A lot of times we don't need, like, first of all, we don't like to read anymore. Um, second of all, we like, we want, we want James Earl Jones and Angela Bassett, like, quoting the scriptures for us to like it. And so we don't even want to deal with the written word. We'd much rather God just put it on us, right? Send me an email in my spirit, Lord. And so we just sitting up here like, you got mail. We're like, oh, chap. And we don't even realize that that's the flesh sending us an email. But anyway, so, so, so look. Sometimes I call a, I'll call a company, right? I'll be like, that is stupid computer. And so I'll call and they be like, hey, you want to talk to somebody? I'll be like, yeah. They'll be like, all right, press one, beep. All right, now press six, beep. Now press two, beep. Press three, beep. All right, now give me your code. All right, now give me your address. All right, somebody will be with you. But you could avoid all of this by just going to our website at www. And they'll be like, all that. And they'll say, look, all this you're about to go through. And whatever you get ready to wait 20 minutes to ask her, I guarantee you, you can go because it's written. So you're like, oh, man, but I'm telling you, I know I can't find it on their website. So one day after like two hours of transacting, I was like, yeah, and da, 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 click. And I was just going, you know, messing around while I was messing around with them. And they thing you know, it's right in front of me. Two hours and I could have just read it. God says, you're doing all this waiting Overweighting, praying and over praying when some of it could be you could cut to the chase by just it is written. You could have made the right decision by turning a couple of pages. We're talking about a generation of people who who know how to make decisions. Firstly, they make them theologically. They got God in mind. God has revealed his will and his word. So we do what we do in light of who and how God has revealed himself to be. Second Timothy three sixteen and 17, you know it well. All scripture basically is adequate, is sufficient, is enough. No, it's not, God. That's really what we tell God when we want more than the scriptures. When we want more than the scriptures, what we're saying is, I know, but you know what I mean. That's what we say. I know, I know, but you know what I mean. That means it's not sufficient for teaching, reproof, correction, training, that the man or woman of God would be competent. I like that. Competent for every good work. Hebrews 1 says, God used to be into just going all over the place with how he told you stuff. One dude, he'd be like, wake up, wake up. Yo, another dude, he'd be like, Samuel, Samuel, you know what I'm saying? Whisper over here, somebody else, he'd just be like, yo, bow, I said bow, take your feet, I mean, your shoes off. <laughs> somebody else, he was like, in the stone. He says, but in these last days, 
God just said, son, go down there and put a cherry on the top. It's over. <laughs> Spray a little Old Testament, a little, 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 little wisdom, a little psalm, a little Pentateuch. And he said, yo, man, but when Jesus Christ comes, in the last days, he's spoken to us in his son. But you know what I mean, though. Even Jesus Christ modeled it. Satan would say stuff like, yo, you should make a decision about what you're going to do about your hunger. Jesus said, well, God told me. He said, it is written. See, Jesus was theological. He just acted based on what he, this is what Toza said. A.W. Toza said, God speaks through what he has spoken. See, I, does God still speak? Yeah. Through what he has spoken. And I know, look, I'm not saying God, like, that. God didn't nudge you to do that. I'm just saying, impressions are sometimey, and inner voices are sometimes tricky. And what happens is when we like the results, we say, told you God told me. And as soon as we don't like the results, we rethink it. I know people who make the right choice because it's what the Bible says, but it doesn't go well with them. So they say God told me to remain pure. Let's just say most people don't say God told me to remain pure, but let's just say God told me to remain pure. I should just keep myself. And then when the going gets tough, well, you know, I, I just feel like I was premature. Like he told me that I could not be pure. <laughs> that was a bad example because I should have came up with one that people really do say. But too many times people say God said, then they can't hack what God clearly said. And then they say, well, he didn't really say it. He just showed me that I, the flesh was talking. Now the flesh is talking because you want to get out of it. <laughs> but I was thinking the flesh was talking when you got in it. So the scriptures or theology is living in light of not just what would Jesus do, but what has Jesus said? Not only does decision making just start with being theological, it has God in mind, but decision making should be done strategically. It has a plan in mind. Now, I took you to Proverbs 16, 1, and it says the plans of the heart belong to man. The Hebrew word here means arrangements, order, preparations. And because the heart is said to be the the one that's doing the arranging, basically this is thought through thoughts. (laughs) This is well thought out, organized, orderly plans or thoughts. Says to man or to Adam, the Hebrew word, that means mankind, men and women, there's this thing called arranging thoughts strategically God just he like the proverb says you know how to make a bad decision wing it shoot from the hip go off the top just impulsively run in he says no 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 and the, the, the a plan the heart like to man the art of planning belongs to him These are capabilities that God has given us, and we should use them. So to act like it's not just as much God saying plan as it is God saying repent and be saved is to misunderstand. Because some of us, we don't mind not planning. 
Like, I don't want to sleep with nobody, but I never want to plan. <laughs> no. The, the, to man, God is designed for us to plan. The Bible says uh, in Deuteronomy 29, 29, it says, to man belongs, uh, to God belongs the secret things, but to the things revealed belong to us. That same phraseology, to man, like with God, that just comes, secret stuff, he got that only he knows. With man, revealed stuff is for y'all, like make the most of it. Don't sit down and tell us, like, well, it's all mystery. No, 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 that's revealed. Like, go for it. Yeah, but I can't understand it. Well, pursue it, seek it, make the most of the fact it's been revealed. Well, same thing here. Plan. Don't get super spiritual talking about I'm going to pray. Yeah, pray. But plan. To Adam, to, to men and women belongs plans. Plans of the heart. Inside God. That's why God gave us heart. Use 46 times in Proverbs. Like when you think man, you have to deal with heart because that's the root of where stuff pumps. Good plans and bad plans come from there. Use 858 times in the Old Testament. The heart is so crucial. That's why we say, yo, we have to study our heart. Now, the Bible will teach you don't trust your heart. Just listen to your heart. Listen to your soul. Like we say stuff like that. But really, the believer says, I better not listen to my heart unless my heart has been informed theologically. Proverbs 6, um, 16, 9, if you go down, says there's something similar. The heart of man plans his way. Now, I'm not reading the rest of it. We're going to come back to the buts. Right now, I just want to establish that the good decision making starts, one, just being theological, knowing how God is and having him in mind. Two, it starts strategically. It says, hey, I have a plan in mind. I sit down and I have meetings. One of the things y'all may get frustrated with us is as you begin to, and some of y'all probably don't sign up now because you know, that's going to be more meetings. Because if we just were up here just doing stuff for Jesus, that's one thing. But the moment you say, I want to do well and I want to succeed, now you got to have a plan. Me and Truth was just talking about this. Dang, man, pray for me. I need grace. Because now that I've taken on more responsibility and now that I want to succeed, now I got more plans. I mean, excuse me, I got more meetings. Because I have to plan, I have to organize, I have to organize, I have to put things together. So this is deeply spiritual. So he says, look, uh, Proverbs 19.21, you can just write it down, you don't have to turn to it. Uh, many of the plans are in the mind of man. Just building a case that nobody thinks they're going to make a good decision without a plan, yet how many times do we make decisions without planning? And we'll see that man's plans are not the end-all, be-all it's so, uh, I, you know, I bug off the providence of God. So I'm, I'm, I'm working on decision making and I see this issue of plan and thinking things through. So I'm watching this kids program, Meet the Robinsons with my kids. So Meet the Robinsons, they have a villain. And this villain is the epitome of what the Proverbs would do. Laugh at the fool who doesn't plan. Right. And one of the things they keep doing, they keep saying, this doesn't seem like you've thought this through. And he's like, you know what I mean? And all his plans are like, like not working. But every time he comes through, they're like, you haven't thought this through. Uh, this plan doesn't seem to be thought through. And they just kept saying that. And I thought back to the person, even to the Christian, that it's, it becomes clear, but you haven't thought it through. You acted, but you didn't plan. The idea of arranging or preparation or plans belonging to man is like 
we went to um, we have a couple in here that just moved into an apartment and they have a, a it, the doorway is real small. So me and Pastor E, you know, we call ourselves trying to love on the flock. So one day I'm like, yo, pa- yeah, Pastor E, let's let's go. Let's let's grab this couch. Right. It's one of the big sofa couches, the sofa beds. I mean, and this thing is heavy. You know how like they look flimsy, but because they got a bed inside. So you chilling. You're like, all right. So we sitting up here and we breaking a sweat and we twisted it and turning it. And it doesn't come easy, but we have to like squeeze and bust our brains just to figure out how to get it out of this small apartment. So we're like, oh, man, but we, through much travail and much thought, you know what I'm saying, the arranging, rearranging, that's the whole idea. I'm not just using this for a funny joke, but I'm just saying the idea is like mental work, the ability to not just get it real quick. Some people don't like to read the Bible. I don't understand it. Like, and then that's on the shelf. You know what I'm saying? Or I didn't want to, like, think through because we don't like to think anymore. You know, our society is making us not want to think. So me and E are twisting and turning and finding ways to get it out. we like, it came in. It got to come out. So we finally get it out. And then we walk it all the way upstairs. And it's more twisting and turning, trying to get it over the, um, over the banisters. And so now, you know, we get all the way up to the new crib. And so we're twisting and turning and we try to get it in. I mean, I don't know how long it was, but at the end we had to concede that we got it out, but we couldn't get it back in. Now you can know we were mad because we didn't, like, we tried to twist it and flip it and turn it, only to have to go all the way back, st- back downstairs and twist it and turn it to try to get it back in. And the Bible says, see, that's, that'll discourage a person from planning. What, like, all you have to go through to come up with a good plan. He says, but... To man belongs that responsibility and that capability. Decision making should be theological. It should have God in mind. It should be strategic. It should have a plan in mind. Decision making should be in community. Proverbs smashes this idea of I got it, individualistic reading, reasoning. So Proverbs twelve fifteen says this. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise person is he who listens to counsel. Proverbs twelve fifteen. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs fifteen twenty two. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. So that's 1215. That's 1114. That's 1522. Proverbs 2612. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The fool thinks that there's no better plan than his own. And if there was a better plan, he would have thought of it. The fool thinks that she is better off in deciding who and what's best for her body, regardless of what anyone says. The fool thinks I can choose the right person for me, regardless of the fact that everyone says this will never work based on objective biblical theological info. And so they're just haters. The fool thinks me, my laptop and my Google search engine is enough. Voila, success. Plug in the figures, plug in it on, click drag, a couple subscriptions, and I'm good. Even theologically, the fool says, I know what the Bible says, but my God wouldn't do that. But what about 
what our God has said. Well, I just don't think that. Well, what about what believers throughout the ages have thought? Plans, decisions, conclusions are made in community. God made it like that. See, we think, okay, I'm going to arrive at my decision in the dark. Then I'm going to come out and spring it on everybody afterwards. Then the community will be forced to deal with what I decided. So Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Sometimes we know that God and his people have ideas that conflict with ours. One of the most hilarious, because y'all seem like y'all need to laugh. So flip with me to 1 Kings 22. Because what makes people choose to do their own thing, regardless of what God says, regardless of what godly people say. The most classic of classics that shows you why we don't like making decisions in community, but we like just handling it ourselves. And, and, and God often is the, uh, the object of our um, exclusion. I'm going to read this story. I want you all to just enjoy it. (laughs) So for three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. In the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, do you know what Ram? Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. And he said to Jehoshaphat, will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king of uh, Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, inquire first for the word of the Lord. In other words, wait. Let's not just have an idea and then decide to do it. Let's see if God is in favor of this idea. Okay. Verse six. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together. He seemed like he's with it. The multitude of counsel. Guess how many? About 400 men. And said to them, shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And they said, go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? Wait a minute. 400 prophets. With a word. Jehoshaphat, the king from the southern kingdom, said, wait, but is there one who speaks on behalf of Yahweh, though? Because I know you got words, and I know you got counsel, and I know you got ideas, and I know you got suggestions. But what I'm trying to, oh, oh, you getting up now? (laughs) But what I'm trying to figure out is, who speaks for the Lord? Remember, wisdom is from Yahweh. But look, look at his answer. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, there is yet one man. (laughs) Come on, laugh. 400. But if you make me choose somebody that speaks for God, there's one. 
See, we think the world is right because more of them are saying it than us. And we like the way we think because we agree with the majority. But it always seems to be that God is a minority. But of course, for him, that's all that matters. We'll see that. Oh, look at this. All right. Real quick. So he says here, and they said, go up for the Lord will give it to you. He said, oh, verse eight. And the king of Israel said, there is yet one man by whom we may inquire, Micaiah, son of Imla. But I hate him for he never prophesies good concerning me, but evil. Now we get the truth. This is why people don't like God getting in on the the matters. Because he only has stuff that rains on my parade. See, if I thought God was going to say yes, I would have asked him. But since I know how God is, I didn't. If I thought y'all would have said yes, I would have asked you. But I know how y'all could be. Jehoshaphat says, let not the king say so. Like, come on, man, don't be like that. Then the king of Israel summoned an officer, said, bring quickly Micaiah, the son of Himla. Uh, now the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Shanana, woo, uh, made for himself horns of iron and said, all right, come on, here's a la- another laughing. So they're on, their, they're on their thrones. And so Zedekiah, the son of my man, Shanana. Uh, made for himself horns of iron and said, Thus says the Lord, with these you shall put out the Syrians until they are destroyed. Some horns. He got some, some iron horns. So he's sitting up there with iron horns. I got to laugh at him. And so all the people, all the prophets uh, prophesied and said, Go up. Yeah. Ramoth, Gilead, and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Now you got this dude coming in. He got, I've like, he got like visual aids with the the words. 400 words plus visual aids. <laughs> got horns. He like, yeah, you gonna take them out? You gonna be stabbing cats like this? You gonna be, uh, you gonna. Verse 13. And the messenger who went to summon Micaiah said to him, Psst, buddy, listen. Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of them, of one of them, and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, as the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that will I speak. They say, come on, man, like, like, say what we said. And when he had come to the king and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up and triumph. The Lord will give into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, "Okay." I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let them go back home in peace. And the king of Israel said, Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? I read that hilarious story simply because it's a classic case of why the wisdom of God is rejected, why godly counsel is usually avoided. And if we just think that there's a chance, we'll have friction. 
So he comes in and says, okay, I'll just tell you what you want to hear. You're going to go up and be victorious. He said, come on, tell me the truth. All right. I saw you dead in your sheet just running around like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. What happened to the horns? <laughs> it's crazy. I got to close. So, look. Decision-making in the will of God, first of all. Again, it's not just spiritual. Like, it's not just super spiritual, put it this way. It is spiritual, but it's spiritual because it starts with you making decisions theologically. You have God in mind. Wisdom is from him. He has a sovereign will, which you can't figure out anyway, so get up off your knees and stop asking him to reveal the sovereign will. He has a revealed will, which he's given you a whole 66 books, which we still haven't read all of. Uh, so get to seeking out his reveal will. Now, about his individual will, we're going to come to that because we're saying, yo, God says, go for yours. I'll tell you what not to do. Then go for yours. However, start theologically. What do you know about me? Come on. You know, I don't want you smoking weed. Come on. I'm an anti-drug advocate. You know what I'm saying? Come on, son. You know, I don't want you hanging out with you know what I'm saying? Pimps and prostitutes. Jeremiah, you're 10. And I told you that God has called us to purity. You don't have to ask me that. Dad, do you want me to like go to bed early so I can get rest and read and eat my vegetables? You don't even have to ask me that. You know I do. I'm just waiting for you to tell me that again. So now he says, thought theologically. Second, strategically. It's going to take work. To men belong this thing called planning arranging thoughts, twisting and turning, I'm trying to get the couch through. In community, don't just sit there and tell me, all right, I'm going to be theological and I'm going to twist and turn my thoughts by myself. No, the community of faith. So, decision-making is done theologically, it's done strategically, it's done in community. Real quick, it's done humbly. Decision-making is done humbly because it has the sovereignty of God in mind. Not only does it take humility to trust God rather than yourself, Proverbs 3. Not only does it take humility to plan it rather than wing it. Not only does it take humility to seek counsel rather than self-control. It takes humility to yield to God's sovereignty. If you go back to Proverbs 16.1, we're coming to a close. I got up here late, so don't be looking at the clock like, see, that he just going. I got up here late. Remember, praise and worship was like going on and on. In a good way. <laughs> Proverbs 6.1 said, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his step. Proverbs 19.21 said, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but... It's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So the idea here is good decision making is you deciding, yet you decide humbly because you know that in your decisions, God's free to edit and trump them. Men have plans, but God has a plan. We have advice, but God gives advice. And he says, if anybody's plans and advice clash, mine won't move. So what the believer who wants to make good decisions or make decisions right, they say, I'm going to operate in the big realm of freedom, which God has allowed me to operate in. But even in doing what's right, I'm going to do it humbly because at any time, even when I choose good stuff, God could trump it and say, but not that. 
So David says, I know what you feel about your name and I know what you feel about your glory. So I want to build you a house. Even the prophet Nathan said, that's good. Go and do it. God would like that. A nice little something for his glory to be up in. And then God came and said, I like that. But tell David he's not going to do that. His son's going to do that. But I just like the way David thinks. God has a plan that doesn't negate our plan, so keep planning. God has advice that doesn't negate our need to live by advice, but yield to his advice. God makes decisions, and that doesn't get us off the hook from making decisions. So God is sovereign. This is something that we could spend a whole day on sovereignty. I mean, at first I was like, okay, we could just stay on decision-making and sovereignty. But really, I'm just giving you the broad spectrum of decision-making, which says, look, let's look at this whole piece of how we make decisions as believers. We do it. You know what I'm saying? And we don't just get hung up on I just want to understand the sovereignty part because until I understand that, I'm not going to be theological or plan or be strategic or be humble. Daniel 4.3 says this. Once again, you can write these down. The inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. He does according to his will in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and no one can ward off his hand. That is a verse to talk about God's sovereign. He does what he wants. So his will comes in, and it's like arm wrestling, and God's not going anywhere when two wills start getting in the ring, right, with his. Psalm 135 Five to six says, for I know that the Lord is great and that our God, Lord, that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth and the seas and in all the deeps. This is another verse about God is sovereign. Your plan can't make him bend. Psalm 33, eight to 11, write it down. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Why? Let all the inhabitants of the Lord stand in awe. Why? For he spoke and it was done. He commanded, it stood fast. But what about people who jumped up and said, I object. The Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. What about cats that came up with ways to try to boot him out? He frustrates the plans of the peoples. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. This is just the Bible's way of agreeing with what the wisdom cats in Proverbs were saying. That man has plans. Man should plan. Men and women ought to go hard in their planning. But do it humbly. Because God has a way. Now, if your way is in concert with his way, often you'll find that your way is his way. Now, if it's not theological, you know it's not even his way to begin with, so he's not with it. James says it like this. James 14, 13. I'm I'm just going to. Yeah, James 14, 13 to 16 basically says this. People said, excuse me, four, sorry. They're like, see, I, James 14, like, I said it right. My fault. James 4 says like this. He says, wait a minute. Y'all are at the board meeting. If you read it when you go home, he said, y'all at the board meeting. So I was like, yo, I tell you what, let's move into China, right? And so we're going, we're going to cross the bridge. Right? We're going to move over there. We're going to South Korea. We can do some work, right? We're going to come back over here. We're going to North Philly. We're going to slide a little something over there. I can't wait to get over here. And you start making all these plans. And then James said, wait a minute. You're making all these plans, but what is your life? Your life is like a vapor. 
Like you may not even be here. He says, what you should say is, if the Lord wills. We're going to go to China, we're going to work this out, we're going to go over to Korea, we're going to ask if we can do this, we're going to come over here and now fill it, we're going to slice it. Like, nothing wrong with all your plans. It's just that you ran it like there's no other thing to consider that you can't see, but that is a legitimate editor of all plans. <laughs> Paul did the same thing. Romans 1.8. He says, I want to thank God and I... He basically, I'm going to just start summarizing these. I like to read them so that, you know, you can hear the word of God. But we're out of time. Paul said, I can't wait to come and see you if God wills. To the Corinthians, when they were, he said, I'm going to come and see you if the Lord wills. The Lord Jesus said, take this cup from me. But only if you will. Not my will. Decision-making should be theological. It should have God in mind. Who he is, how he is, as revealed in his Bible. Don't try to guess who, like, the unfathomable riches. That's why they're unfathomable. So no need to try to fathom. <laughs> it should be strategic. Don't think you're just going to pray and you're just going, he's going to just put it in your spirit. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't put stuff in people's spirit. I'm just saying. That doesn't absolve you from having to sit at the table and put in long hours, pull another book off the shelf and cross-reference it. Sit down and get the calendar out. Go online and find out the weather. Put your, throw the grass up and see which way the wind's blowing. These things are part of making good decisions. But also, be humble. Like, no God could. I did everything was right, and he still didn't. I've been waiting on him, and he still hasn't. I made sure it was in his moral and revealed will of God. And plus I talk, plus I go to church, plus I'm. God says, the sovereign will says, man, got a lot of plans. But it's the Lord's that comes in. And, and so lastly, decision making should be done confidently. It should have God's faithfulness in mind. I'm going to close like this. God's sovereignty doesn't make you say, look, this is too complicated. You're talking about some being confident. And be, I mean, you're talking about being humble and being strategic and being theological and being humble. Like, this is too. I'm just going to let the sovereign will of God whisk me off into the sunset. <laughs> and I'm going to end it by rereading, but I'm going to go 16.1 all the way through 9. The plans of the heart belong to man, meaning you should be planning. But the answer of the tongue is from the Lord, meaning, but then God is at work in ways that, you're, that, that don't tie in uh, to what you're doing. In other words, he acts separate from you, yet he acts in light of you. All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit or the motives. That's just saying, no, plan. Be confident. Now, God wants you to plan, yet. He reserves the right to overrule. God wants you to plan, yet he knows when your plans are shifty, even if on the outside it doesn't look like they're shifty, because God weighs your motives. 
But you can be confident because assuming your motives are on point and in line with him and assuming your plans don't bump up against his plans, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Confidence means roll your works over to Yahweh. Like, hey, God, I want to make sure that that's cool with you. That's not you waiting to hear him lead you to a dot. That's you just saying, as I'm going to plan, I've already run through the other checks. I, I, I just, but here you go. Feel free to do your thing. Look, why? The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. You, you, you confidently move because you know that God is in control of even evil. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. I like this. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies at peace with him. See, plan confidently because when God likes the way you approach him, he likes the fact that you start theologically. How is God? Oh, I'm a chill because I know how God is. What do you want? David didn't kill Saul. I got to go. David didn't kill Saul just because he knows how God is about his anointed. So even when Saul was a bad anointed one, he wouldn't touch him. I just know how you are. But Saul was the opposite. I know how you are. But where's David? I mean, he's throwing javelins at him. Then he went to the priest. There's some more anointed. And he had them killed. Oh, I'm losing you all. All right. Here we go. Uh, The heart of man plans his way. Uh, Excuse me. He makes his enemies at peace with them. That means that God is able to take your ways and establish them. He even can deal with your enemies or anything that's in the way of your plan, which you've committed to him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. Because you know how it is. I don't like my little. That's why I make a plan to get more, leaving God out. But see, you see the balance of the scriptures? Like, I'm just scared to make a decision now. No, commit your ways to him. So you belong to the plan. Make the plan. God belongs to sovereignty. He can edit the plan. Now you go confidently. God will, God will establish your work. And when he's pleased with you, he'll move your enemies. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his step. Augustine said, love God and then do what you want. Now, of course, you have to qualify that and unpack that and make sure you really are loving God. And what you want is consistent with that. But the better we know our Bibles, the better you'll make decisions. The better we plan, the better we'll make decisions. The more we counsel with godly people, the better we'll make decisions. The more we submit and accept and love and embrace the sovereignty of God, the better we'll make decisions. And the more confidently we are in his faithfulness, the better we'll make decisions. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for um, your, your Bible. It lets us know everything we need. God, you know how to assist us because of our weakness, but that's what it is. It's our weakness. You give us a little extra stuff just because we're weak. Lord, I know your Bible says, but I need it. And you, sometimes you do it, God. But it's a sign that We need to grow. We pray that you will make banging decision makers out of Epiphany Fellowship and all those who are here, people who do it according to your way. Thank you for the Proverbs, so full of everything we seem to be facing today. Thank you for your New Testament, which maxes out all the principles that we get the shadow of. Thank you for the Lord Jesus, 
who lived this life ultimately like this. He lived it according to the plan. He is God, so he was always theological. He submitted his will to your will, Father. If, no, if someone's not saved in here, Lord God, they are responsible to decide <laughs> to submit their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't it booming that in your sovereignty you even control that, though? Have your way with us. Teach us. May Epiphany Fellowship be around a long time, as long as it is following after you and proclaiming your son. Now be with us as we cap this off, reflecting on the cross, the, the ultimate display of people doing what they want, but none of it thwarting your plan. For you were at work, even in the plans of men, to crucify your son. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.